Father, we know it's well. We know that you are truly in control, Lord. You are in control. And just as yesterday, Father, yesterday, we praise you today because yesterday the report of weather was one thing. But through prayer and belief and faith, you have cleared the skies that we would be here today and that would be a sign to us, Lord. That at 10 o'clock, though the weather was claimed to rain, you broke the sky because you controlled the weather, Lord. You controlled the weather. So thank you, Father, for this sign for us to know, Lord, that you are truly here and you are with your people, Lord. And so, Father, I praise you because through it all, it is well. It is well. You knew that man would not be true this time. <laughs> so let God be true and every man a liar. Because that's exactly what we are without you, Father. We're just liars. We're thieves. We're murderers and adulterers, idolaters. We need you, Lord. We're no good without you. You are the good in us. You are the good in us. And Lord, I pray right now that we would move from just our heads consciousness and move into the very conscience of the Holy Spirit, Lord. Give us your Holy Spirit that will help us to understand the word preached today. Give us your Holy Spirit that would rightly divide the word of truth. Not that we would know in history where something belongs, but that we would know spiritually where something belongs. Father, because you are not a God that is limited like we are by time and by distance, but you are a God who is eternal. You are beyond anything we can imagine, anything we can touch, anything we can experience here. You are far beyond that, Lord. And help us to remember that it is not by power, it's not by our bodies coming to this address and sitting in these seats. It's not by might. It's not by our efforts, Lord, but it is by your spirit. It is by your spirit. And God, I know you are seeking us out. You are seeking us out, Lord. Looking for those who will worship you in spirit and in truth. And so, Father, thank you for meeting us here, touching us here, and loving us here. Loving us here. Hallelujah. 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 That means glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 
with all of our hearts, Lord. Lord, we praise you with all of our minds, Father. Lord, we praise you with all of our strength. Lord, we praise And we glorify your name with a hallelujah. 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 One more time. Is he good? He's worthy. He's worthy. Wow. Huh. He's worthy. He's just worthy. Like, Scripture says that if your sin, if your eye causes you to sin, or if your hand causes you to sin, gouge it out, cut it off, throw it away. Because it's better that you enter into heaven lame than go to hell with all your members. And when Jesus said these words, we know that no works can earn us righteousness. We know that we can't earn it. So to physically gouge out your eye or physically cut off your hand does absolutely nothing because if that was the case, I'd be eyeless and handless right now. I would, I, so I don't go to hell. But that's not what he's talking about. I was reading this morning in the book of Hebrews and it was talking about how, and I believe it was in the end of chapter two when you were re reading it because I had read it before you listened to it and my wife was started listening to it after I had read it. And at the end of it, it says it's talking about the Israelites and how they, um, they they did not inherit this rest that God has for us because of their unbelief. And I've been saying, you know, many, many times that and I've been reminding us many times that Jesus said very clearly that the Holy Spirit would come and he would convict the world of its sin, singular, of God's righteousness and the coming judgment. So the coming judgment is that when, when we feel that conviction, like, I don't know if I'm all right with God, right? Like, I don't know if I die today, if I have eternal life with Christ. That's the conviction of the coming judgment. The conviction of God's righteousness is his holiness. It's his righteousness, his character, who he is. It's when you know that you're in the middle of doing something that you shouldn't be doing. And you have conviction that comes upon you for the righteousness of God to try to save you from that moment. That's the righteousness of God because it's impossible to confess that Jesus died, rose again, and that I have received this promised Holy Spirit and that I worship a true living God and then go on sinning. Yeah. 
It's very, it's impossible. You don't sin the same. But that's why the first one, convict the world of his sin, is attached to all acts of sin. And it has to do with the same verse that's in Hebrews chapter 2 that says that they did not inherit that rest, enter that rest because of this same sin. And Jesus says, and this is the sin that they did not believe in me. It goes all the way back to John 5, 39 and 40 that I mentioned last week when Jesus said to the Pharisee that you read the scriptures and you search them, search them. I mean, how many of us really search scripture? Most of us read scripture. There's a difference between reading and searching. Amen. And he said, you search the scriptures, scouring, thinking they give you eternal life. But you can't see that they point to me. So here we are, you know, in this moment where God is like, all morning, last night, all morning, we're dealing with this, I am wrestling with God about this topic of unbelief. And I'm saying that's the, that's the issue. That's the true issue. Because if all of us are alone, where we're about to do the thing we know we shouldn't do, when we're alone, right? If we knew deep in our hearts, that God himself was closer than you were to the thing you were about to do. So you got the weed in your hand. You got the drink in your hand. You got the whatever in your hand. You got your business in your hand. You got your, your success in your hand. And he's closer than even that, what you're holding. He understands it. If you knew that he was that close, it would convict you instantly. You wouldn't even be able to touch it. But because of unbelief, we touch it. It's not a matter of what you're doing. It's the, it's the system, the process, right? That if God is there, which we know he is, even right now as we sit amongst each other, we know he is. But it's when we are alone. When we're alone in our thoughts. You could be here right now surrounded by bodies and alone in your thoughts. God is there. You're not alone. And so I was saying, Lord, what do you want me to share? I went through five different sets of, of teachings this morning. And right here, right before everybody showed up, the Lord gave me this passage. And I want to read out of 1 Peter chapter 1, and you can go there really quick. <clears throat> and I think it's a good reminder of holiness. Just say holiness. It's a word. It's a teaching. It's an emphasis that many people struggle with standing and living out in their homes and in their workplaces, and especially in a church setting where, take me, for example, I'm here to deliver a word to you this morning. It's very difficult for someone to stand here and preach holiness if it's not being made manifest in their life. Okay? And the reason for that is because, and I have to lay this out, because even after I describe this, man, Father, help me. Help me preach. Because after I lay this out and we move on to the reading, your flesh is still alive. It's still warring against God. So even though I describe this, what this is about why people struggle with talking about holiness, and you may grasp it in the moment, it's going to take everything for you to cling to it every day. Because it will slip from you if you don't take it serious. Right? Right? But here's why. People don't talk about being holy 
because they're afraid of what others are thinking. Because they know back in their heart and in their mind, they're not holy. So I'll tell you right now, I am not holy. I'm being made holy. There's a difference. Christ is holy. And that's who I'm being made into the image of. The image of the son. So when people, and for those of you that may not know the depths of Christ, it, the Christ is not a person like you and I. He's not a being that walks about and has just his own thing. And then you kind of like, he takes a step and you take a step. It's not that kind of following with Christ. It's not a movement, so to say, whereas you come to church or you go to work. It's a, it's a power, right? Christ and God is a power. He is, he is spirit. So he is, he is naturally loving. So how do you mimic love? See, that's the issue. It's because people, when they say holy, right, be holy, they're thinking that you have to live first to be holy. No, your life is secondary to the holiness that's within you. It flows from Christ. Do you see the difference? So when I say to you, love each other, it has to start with the realization you cannot do it. You have to get there. I am not a loving person. You have to get there every time. That way when I pick up the water bottle and I set it on the back table, I'm not walking away like I did it. Like I'm good or somehow it makes me special. That's a privilege. Because the thing that I really got is Christ. It's the love of God. So when we say, when we say be holy as I am holy, the Lord is not asking you to keep up with him. It's impossible. That'd be foolish. It's the same way he says, gouge out your eye. He's not asking you to do something so then he can give you something. He's saying, let my eyes be your eyes. Let my thoughts be your thoughts. As a matter of fact, instead of wrestling with me, surrender to me. Let me put my spirit in you like a hand in a glove. The glove doesn't tell the hand what to do. It does only what the hand wants. And this is the truth. So when you walk away from here, you're going to go back to your environment. You're going to go back to wherever your life is, right? And you're going to want to take out the hand. You want a ghost glove, you know what I mean? Like, you, you don't want God to do the controlling. You put your own hand in it. And, and how do I know this? I'm going to give you a per personal example. I'll give you a personal example, okay? So the other day, me and my wife... We're in the, uh, we're getting ready. I don't know if where we're going, but we were, we we're getting ready. And she was out in the car and I was in the bathroom and they had gotten in the car to wait for me. Right. I'm just showing you how simple it is to lose sight of Christ. So I'm in the bathroom shaving my nose hairs. <laughs> <laughs> And I literally, she literally walked out. She wasn't even out in the car long. I don't even think she, I don't know if she even got in. And she comes back in. She stands in the bathroom and she goes, how long are you going to be? 
And I'm like, I'm, once I'm done with my nose hairs, that was my answer. Because in my heart, I didn't want to tell her. Because in my heart, I, I don't know why, but in that moment, I was like, leave me alone. Anybody ever felt like that? I lost like half the members today. They're never coming back. I said, leave me alone. That's what I was feeling. But, I, but my answer to her was when I'm done with shaving my nose hairs. And her answer to me was, how long? Ooh, we like that, don't we? And I said, as long. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But in that moment, I wanted to push back, and I told her, I'll be out there in just a second. But give me a time. So she didn't want to leave without a time. I didn't want to give her one. And this is how it is with God. This is how it is with God. God says, give me that. I'm not done yet. Give me that. I, you know, when I'm finished. Right? What are you doing? Right? These are the things we do with God when he touches through preaching, through fellowship, and through the, walking it out with God, when he touches something that's not holy. And why isn't it holy? Because it's not in his hand, brothers and sisters. This is, this is why, in the, man, I feel the presence of God. He's here. He's here. This is why in Romans 9, when, he, when it says that he makes certain jars for decoration and certain jars to throw trash into, you know, he's talking about people. Some people are used for special use, and some are, are used for destruction. Same vessels. One's holy, and one isn't. But what makes it holy? Your deeds? Your attendance? The, how about this? The image you put off that you're good? Like your thoughts are good? The filters that you put out in your life? Facebook, it was way behind the times. God knew that people had filters. That's why he gave them a heart. Because who is to know and judge the heart but God? And what do we do to people? We hide our heart from people. So holiness comes from Christ. Through the vessel. Amen? Through the vessel. So when somebody tells you how good you are, and you have that, mm, that's right, that's right. And you go, well, glory to God. You don't really mean it. Because God knows the heart. Or you could say, no, glory to God. Because you really know you're a wretch. So when we talk about this today, Everyone here should walk away knowing. <laughs> should walk away knowing that it is God who makes us holy. It is God who keeps us. It God's, it's God who saves us. And we can't do it on our own. Amen? First Peter chapter 1. This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, Bithynia, whatever. God the Father knew you. God the Father knew you. 
Yeah. I've had some awesome fellowship with Isaac ever since he started coming to the church. This is my brother. This is somebody who I consider a friend, somebody I see the hand of God on. God is clearly doing a work in his life. And somebody I deem as trustworthy, even though I haven't even, he hasn't walked with me long. Because I know the difference between Isaac and the Lord. But I've been, I've been talking to Isaac, and he's been telling me his story. And, and it's awesome whenever you can hear where somebody's been, and you know God knew it. And they're going, wow, I just, he was there the whole time. Yes, he was. And he's here now because he knows you. Amen. Is it comforting that we have a God that knows us? How sad it is for any other faith because their God's not living. They may know their God, but their God does not know them because their God's not living. Amen. Who knew you and chose you long ago. And his spirit has made you what? Oh, so is that when the spirit, when it says that his spirit has made you holy, does that now mean that you still have a ways to go to holiness? Or does that mean you've been made holy? It means it's final. It's done. When the spirit of God comes upon you, dwells in you, holiness is in you. It's done. You have been made holy. Now, how that is ex ex extended through your life is on a day-to-day -day basis. It's going to be sinning less, sinning less, changing, transformation. But the full holiness of God dwells in you. And you know why it's important to know that? So you know where to go. So you know who to go to. Because if you don't know this, you're going to go to man. What's wrong with me, pastor? What's wrong with me, sister? I, I'm, I believe in Jesus. But are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Because if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the warfare, you recognize it. You're like, that's not from God. Those, those questions aren't from God, right? And it quickens you in the holiness of God to combat the unholiness of the flesh. Amen. So we are holy. Are you spirit filled? No, seriously. You know what's happening right now? For those of us that may not be spirit filled and people who may be listening to this message later that are not spirit filled, here's what they're doing. That donut was good. That donut was good. This is what they're doing. Man, what's going on at one, two? They're, they're so driven by the flesh. And can we blame them? Who was once there? And we don't know how to receive from God because we don't have the spirit of God. And I don't know about you guys, but you can't manufacture the spirit. I've been to a thousand camps. Trust me, they come down just as fleshly as they went up. I've also been in the backyards of, a, of the ghetto and somebody get tongues and filled with the spirit and their whole life changed. You never see them again. And when they come back, it's because they're preaching the gospel. I know for a fact you can't make this up. So if you don't have the spirit, if you're listening online or you're here, ask God for the spirit. Ask God for the spirit. And if you're not, it's okay. Because God knows. So as a result, say as a result. As a result. That means that 
the result of holiness. And what have we been talking about this whole last four weeks? Obedience. And we've been saying that obedience don't belong to us because that's another little merit that we like to have, right? I obeyed God. Check. That's why I'm blessed. Check. That is the wrong way to talk when you deal with the Lord. But because of this holiness, as a result, you have what? What's your word say? You have obeyed him. Wait a minute. You mean I don't obey and then get holiness? No, obedience is the result of holiness because it's the result of one man's obedience. Remember, there was one man that sinned. Everyone was born into it. But by one man's obedience, Christ, all are brought into right standing. So when he did that and now his spirit is put in us, that means the entire work of Jesus unto the Father dwells within us and causes us to obey. Causes you to obey. Driving, you think it now, you just think you're driving casually. You make a right turn, not knowing why, but you avoided something or you ran into right to where you needed to be, and now somebody came to Christ. I mean, there is nothing happening in your life as a spirit filled believer that is not being driven by God Himself. Nothing, no mistake is outside of God's account. Somebody say, Amen. amen. He has just scales. And let me tell you something on one side is all of your sin, entire life, everything, and on the other side is Christ, and it's enough. It's more than enough. And have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. Amen. I could use more. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Not by a man's baptism. Not by, again, a church attendance. By God's great mercy. By his mercy. Because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. Where? So our, what does Colossians 3 say? We should not focus here. We should put our sights on heaven. The realities of heaven. Where our real life lives. This right here is what should be preached all the time. Not just sometimes. Not just most of the time. This should be the center, the epicenter, so to say. This should be the focus of every message ever preached is that you are no longer living for things here. But there is an inheritance in heaven. And let me tell you something. That's another mark of a spirit-filled believer. The mark of a spirit-filled believer is they've grown tired and done with obtaining things that fade. And they now put their hopes and their sight on what's to come. They're, they have a high expectation. Matter of fact, when you get around them, they can't stop talking about it. And, and you'll see them even have friction with other people because a person will come wanting to talk about how this and that happened and everything worked out. And they're going, man, but we got an inheritance in heaven that's greater than that. And then the person who's not spiritual says, what are you talking about? Seriously. Or they'll say, oh, yeah, 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 I know, I know. But my goodness, if you have the greatest reward. How could you compare anything to it? You can't because it's the greatest. Amen. Watch this. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Isn't that awesome? And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power. Until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day. For you all to see. So we haven't even seen it. 
in our faith, by that, God is protecting us right now. Coronavirus everywhere, people worried. I mean, I, I walked into a, a, a Home Depot yesterday to buy a little bit more chairs. Walked into Home Depot, which, by the way, I'm glad we did that. By the way, it was a good, good idea. But walked into Home Depot, coughed. I think uh, Raul had left and, and uh, Aaron had left, coughed. And the person turns around like he never heard a cough before. <laughs> I'm like, and, and, and then we're standing outside of the line. And everybody in the line about like towards the end are all bunched together. Until you get towards the front, and then they spread you out. And I'm sitting here in my mind, I'm sitting, two hours. That's how long this is airborne for. Two hours. How in the <laughs> Man, it made me want to just go through an obstacle course in the middle of the street. There's nothing there. <laughs> now, I say this with sensitivity to knowing, though, that people are afraid, though. But they should not be. At least if, if you're, especially if you're spirit-filled. Cautious is one thing. Afraid is another. Right? Because the Lord will caution you. But when it's you, that's not to, you don't live by that. You don't live by your own caution. Scrubbing this lid down every time I go to open it, you know? No. By my faith. I am protected by God Almighty. And this, this sounds similar to all other churches, but it's not the same to the one church, the remnant of God, the people of God. It's not the same because their shoes never wear out. They don't. When, listen, if they get sick, it's by God's design, just like Daniel fell sick for seven days. If you get sick as a spiritual believer, it is by God's plan. Amen. You have to know it. But he is still protecting you even in the sickness. Let me just give you an example. Coronavirus has been around for how many weeks now? That we know? A month? Well, no, no. I mean that we've known that where they started. So a week and a half they started quarantining or whatever, right? Or two, I mean a month and a half. How long have you had valley fever? About three years. How many times have you had pneumonia? Three times. Should he have come out? Why are you still here? Because God has a plan. It's because God has a plan. The man is full of faith. If you talk to Ray, he can't stop talking about Jesus. He's one of those guys that you're like, can we talk about something else? But if you're spirit-filled, we have a hard time getting off the phone. It'll be two hours going, all right, bro, I got to get to my wife because she's in the other room. But why is he here? I mean, you got everybody else. I mean, why is he here? How many people have died from valley fever? How many people have died from pneumonia? But we don't live in fear as spirit-filled believers. Because to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I die from corona, it is part of God's plan. And you better remember that. Because if I do, you better say that at my funeral. And you better tell everybody I meant it when I said it. And anybody who says, well, yeah, but if he was still here, he'd be t talking different. You tripping? I'm, I'm with Christ. You tripping? I am truly beyond change and decay. Beyond change and decay. 
And, though, and through your faith, God is protecting us by the Spirit, by his power, until you receive the salvation, which is ready for you to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. Are you glad this morning? Then be truly glad. Truly means wholeheartedly with everything you have. Embrace what it is that you have been given with great expectation and great joy that it could be today. Just as you guys know, it was supposed to rain at 10. The sun is beaming. Oh, well, but that's happened before. Every time it's God. Every time the sun rises, it's God. Every time it sets, it's God. But I'm just saying to you, there was an expectation of rain. I was expecting sun. That's the difference. Is there's an expectation for some people that nothing happens after you die. I'm expecting sun, S-O-N, Christ. I'm expecting it. And you should expect it with great joy. You shouldn't, oh, you shouldn't get tired of talking about this stuff. There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show, say show, that your faith is genuine. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. Do you have genuine faith this morning? I mean, you're sitting in the back of a... We're not at a church building. I would call it genuine faith if you're here. Maybe some of you are here because you were forced to be like you live here. <laughs> but that's God too. Clearly God wants to say something. Amen. Watch this. Even though you must endure trials for a little while. Verse 7. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Through your faith. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials. Watch what happens. You know this is. Let me pause. This is where most people testify about what God has brought them through. Their testimony is, look what he's done for me. Not realizing that sometimes that testimony tramples on those that were on the worst end of the stick. Like God brought, made my marriage work out, but for the other person who's a believer, it fell apart. And we think that it's hope, but there's some situations that you can't, you can't give that same hope for because people die. So when you praise God, watch, that he let your parent live, remember somebody else's parent didn't. And the proper way to say that is, may God get all the glory for the remaining years of your life. That's different. That's different than, oh, look at what he's done for me. You could say, I'm thankful he did this for me. But never leave out the fact, you're good. You're not interrupting anybody. You're good. <laughs> no, you're really not. I'm just saying. Everybody feel free to walk me out. It's just because I could tell, you know, you're stiff. You like, don't want to interrupt. But think about this. If, <laughs> if God, the right way to do it is say he blessed me with more years with my parent, but it is truly to the glory of God that the rest of their years be lived out for the Lord. Because what good is it if they never know, come to know the Lord? It's true. It's true. But it's supposed to what? Bring much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So every healing, every test, every trial that you endure, everything is stored up for a loud glory to God when Jesus finally returns. 
Because while you're going through it in the name of Jesus, people mock you. Where's your God now? All these things. But when he shows up, they're going, whoa, it's going to be glory. They'll say glory to God. Amen. So you love him even though you have never seen him. May the love of this community be for Jesus expressed to each other. Be so vibrant. Be so loud that people cannot deny there's a God. They'll be like, there's no other there's no other way. It has to be God. My family fights, kicks, screams, steals from each other, does everything else. And this family is giving everything they have. They're opening their homes. What is going on? Though you do not know, though you do not see him now, you trust him. Amen. We trust you, Lord. And you rejoice with the glorious man. I pray for this. I pray this for everyone with a glorious inexpressible joy inexpressible have you ever had something steal your joy well, I'm going to go as far as to say no they stole your happiness because the joy of the Lord can't be stolen nothing can steal the joy of the Lord he can't be snuck up on he's never caught off guard he knows your steps before you take them. Wouldn't you love to be in a fight with that kind of? A <laughs> this salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. That includes us. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of what? You ever been in a, a service and hopefully not one of these, <laughs> but have you ever been in a service or gone to a place and wondered what the heck even came out of it? It's like, it's like watching one of those movies that made no sense. You're like, that was the worst ending ever. <laughs> but, I mean, have you ever sat and really listened to someone speak? You know, pray for them. This isn't, this isn't a knock on those people because they need Christ just as much as all of us. But you do. You're, you're like, where are we going with this? How does this edify Christ in me? Like, what is going on right now? Where's the Lord? Where's the Lord? It may have even felt good. But that feeling, that high, when you got home, dwindled so fast, you weren't even kept. You know, it was just like, now you're not in church no more. You're just back home. No, we need, we need this power of the Holy Spirit in us always. Amen? It is, all, it is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Now, I got a little bit more. I'm almost done. I'm going to just read through this. But I want this word to minister to you because this is what ministered to me today even more than the first part. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. You know why he can say this? Because you have the spirit. If it's somebody who doesn't have the spirit, you can't say exercise self-control. It's better to tell them to say surrender. Now when somebody surrender, you can say exercise self-control because they're not going to take it personal like, what you mean? I got self-control. No, you don't. No, you don't. It showed right there. <laughs> 
Exercise self-control. Put all, say all, your hope in the gracious salvation that will come. Not the one that you have now. Too many, too many of us say we are Christians. We put more focus on the identity of who we are as a Christian. But he's saying put your hope in what's to come, which is the Lord. Amen. So put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you. It will come. It's a hope that doesn't disappoint. Amen. Help me. Amen. A hope that doesn't disappoint. I just told you something. You ever been disappointed? Some of you came here disappointed. Like, dang it, I wanted the hot Cheeto donut. <laughs> what a disappointment. But have you ever felt true disappointment? I'm talking like you were hoping, I'm going to touch on it. You were hoping that tax money was going to come in. <laughs> you owed money. You're like, You already had that money spent, boy. You were like, <laughs> That was disappointment. And then you know you try to not, you play, play it off with your brother or your sister. You're like, no, it's no big deal. I'll, get it. I'll be all right. You know what? It's true disappointment. I just told you right now, this hope, it doesn't disappoint. Now think of all your disappointments. Bind them all together. And this doesn't do any of that. It comes through. Amen. <laughs> so, you must. And remember what I said about must. Must is not the you step first. It's a must as in I put a seed in the ground and it must be whatever that seed is. It must happen. So if God puts his Holy Spirit in you, you must. Amen. You must. You must live as God's obedient children. You see how that changes things when you read that? This ministered to me. Because under the works-based mindset, you must live as obedient children. Now show up to work. That's what it feels like. But if you go back to the beginning of this letter, just like I told you, you would drift away from it. You go back to the beginning of this letter. He said it's because you were made holy. Then the results were your obedience. So it's in, it's in, it's in uh, conjunction with this. He says you must live as obedient children. Meaning it has to happen. It's just what happens. Like, Regina, you're just not going to be the same person. After what happened to you in, uh, since you started coming to Pathway, and God gave you the word, and now you see the transformation happen in Isaac, and now your home's beginning to transform, no one gets credit. It's because God is doing that, and you must become that. You must transform. It has to happen because that's who God is. Amen? So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. That means there's a serious warfare. That means now you're awake, as in when I was reading uh, Hebrews, it says the difference between somebody who is mature believer, a mature believer versus someone who's still a babe, is the babe doesn't know how to, to decipher what is right and wrong. And have you seen those people who are like, I love Jesus, but they just keep hurting themselves? <laughs> but when you become mature, you now know the difference. And there is a real warfare. Amen. So don't slip back. Don't allow. I'm going to tell you the biggest slip back. The biggest thing that is, I would say, the most uh, uh, influential thing is people. It's when you get filled and then you start listening to who's not filled. Then they, you start slipping. You just, 
I thought I was sure. I thought I was certain. This. I, I thought what they. And now you're saying. And that's the slipping. That's the true slipping away. Is with people. So make sure not that you disconnect from people who don't know God. You're supposed to be ministering to them. But they're not your counselor. The Holy Spirit is your counselor now. I feel the anointing of God. You didn't know any. Uh, uh, it says, uh, don't slip back into your old ways and live, living ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy. Again, there's that must again. It, it has to take place in your life. You must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. Those are some strong scriptures. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. And remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. Thank you, Lord, for that. Because you know what? I'm just not the tallest basketball player, okay? <laughs> it's messed up. People shorter than me dunk. It's messed up. But it's the same thing in the spirit. Thank you, God, that you show no favorites, that a person who speaks eloquently or can communicate is no different than a person who can't speak at all. That you have no favorites. Amen. Are you getting anything out of this word today? And he will judge you. He would judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as what? Temporary residence. Man, it's all through the scripture. I'm not supposed to be living as if this is permanent. And let me tell you the snare right here. The snare. This is what been ministering to me all morning. The snare right here is, and when I say all morning, I mean since I read it, like right before the word, but this has been in my heart. The snare in the temporary living is the person who says this, but God wants me to have nice things. That's a snare. Tell me how that glorifies God. And tell me how that causes your heart to disconnect from what's temporary. It doesn't. If anything, you fasten it a little bit tighter when you try to hold to the fact that you think you're strong enough. You really do to say, I'm a temporary resident, but God knows I can have nice things. You're not strong enough. And that definitely isn't the voice of the Lord. We are not clinging to this life. We let it go. We let it all go. Amen. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was, watch this, the precious blood of Christ. One of the reasons why God did it this way is because if he was to put redemption in something in the earth, you could go grab it. And do it yourself. But he, you, you cannot grab Christ. And do it yourself. He is the only one. That was sinless. Spot, and he is the spotless lamb of God. Amen. Verse 20. God chose him. As your ransom. Long before the world began. That's the proof right there. That God knows everything. That before the world ever began. Christ was already chosen to die. But now. In these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. If this ain't the love of God. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God. Through who? So your trust ain't your own. Man, we don't like this. 
Hey, our flesh don't like that. Give me something, Pastor Tony. Like one thing to hold on to, like clean teeth. <laughs> Give me something I can take credit for. Like I, like I, some, none of it. Your faith, your trust, your obedience, all of it flows from the deposit guarantee, the Holy Spirit, which is God's spirit, which is Christ. Amen. You get it yet? Is it in you? Is he in you? Through Christ, you have come to trust in God and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. And you see how beautiful this is serenading to you now. If you go back to the beginning and you see that you were made holy and a result is obedience, it's so clear that obeying truth is a result of the same thing. It's Christ. We could not obey it without him. So now, say so now. You must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. There's must again. This is why I think it was Paul's daughter. She came up and I hugged her. Because I have to hug you. I can't just shake. It feels weird. It just, it's not how God created his people. Love is not shown through a handshake. It's, it's through a holy kiss. So you better stop kissing me, right? <laughs> First time I met Ray, he kissed me on the cheek. I was like, whoa. And it wasn't the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Love each other. What's the word? Deeply. Deeply. With all your heart. Too many believers, professed Christians, are, have contingencies in their love. They do. Like, see, how can you not love that? You know what I'm saying? But they have contingencies in their love. They, they love you because you guys do the same thing. They love you because you go to the same place. They love you because you work at the same place. They love you because you have the same hobbies. Most relationships Love each other for themselves, not for the other person. You don't want to know why? I'm, I'm going to say it. I know this is going to sound bad, but I'm going to say it. Because an ugly person would love to marry a pretty person. But the pretty person is not looking for an ugly person. That's how the world is. They're looking for a pretty person. And that's the reality, right? That if we were loving truly... This world would look completely different. That's why Michelle married me, because I'm ugly. And this is a full expression of what I'm talking about. She's gorgeous. I'm, I look like a can that's been kicked a thousand times. I don't know. Anyway. But you're to love deeply, amen. For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. This is awesome. Because this life will quickly end, Amen. Your new life will last forever. Your new life will last forever. Because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. 
The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word, say that word, word. is the good news. Might as well say Jesus Christ that was preached to you. The good news that was preached to you. I feel in my heart that, you know, in traditional churches today, you know, you end a service and, you know, you have the altar call and you, you do that. And I believe that people do it with sincere hearts. I believe people go, everybody bow your head and you do. And, you know, close your eyes and raise your hand if you want to receive the Lord because I don't want to embarrass you, which you'll never find that in Scripture. You're actually supposed to be bold enough if it's true and it's real. If there's a real fire in this house, we're really running out to the street yelling fire. And no matter how crazy you look, right, you'll go bang on the neighbor's door. You'll go whatever. You'll make sure people know the testimony that you're sharing. Well, if Jesus Christ has truly entered your heart today, if you truly have received the word that was preached today, there's already salvation taking place and you won't care who sees. You won't care. And so there's no need to do that because you'll let people know, right? If my, if my father-in-law was unsaved, he'd turn to my mother-in-law who saved I'm, I felt the Lord today. I mean, you'll let her know, right? So if you don't know the Lord, only he can draw you to himself. So I'd love to hear, take a few minutes and just hear what God is speaking to you. What are you taking away? Thank you, Phil, by the way. Um, what are you taking away? What is God speaking to you? And let it edify. Yes. You want to help me out? Yeah, I can do that. Well, your wife wants this first. <laughs> 